catch your ex doing something right and acknowledge and thank them, just like you want to do that with your children. It's really helpful if you have a criticism or a comment to start by saying, you know, thanks a million last week for picking the kids up an hour earlier than you needed to. I really appreciate it. I'll be happy to do that for you next time. And then go into the issue that may be troublesome for you, but find ways, little things that you could say and do and be cooperative and flexible because co-parenting is a lifelong experience. Everyone's going to need favors. So you want to be accommodating. And if you say, yes, sure, I'll swap weekends with you or I'll do this or that, they're more likely to do the same thing for you. And then you're having a cooperative co-parenting relationship that's realistic and flexible. And you're not going to court every six months because of some silly indiscretion or, or change of plans. Hi, I'm Talia and welcome to the Rebel Love Podcast, where each week I'll bring you a new episode exploring love, sex and relationships. Join me as together we question, explore and strive to understand. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Love Podcast. My guest today is Rosalind Sadaka, a divorce and co-parenting coach, mother, and mentor. She founded the Child-Centered Divorce Network for Parents 10 years after her own divorce, which took place when her son was only 11 years old. She's passionate about helping families find the best path through and beyond divorce. And as a result, she's been interviewed frequently on TV, radio, podcasts, books, and webinars focused on diffusing divorce and parenting issues. Welcome, Rosalind. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Yes. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Rosalind was a guest on the Let Love Begin Summit. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. And you, we had a really amazing discussion about divorce and uh, how to be the best parent through divorce, because I don't think when anyone gets married, they expect to be divorced. So um, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk a little bit about your story and how you got started on this path, helping other parents co-parenting and getting through divorce with their children. Yes, I was not expecting divorce to be the center of my universe, but after close to 20 years of marriage that was failing, I finally got the nerve to just ask for a divorce. And it took me years and years to do that because I had a son and I didn't want to emotionally scar him. So I put it off and tried not to get the divorce. And we went to couples counseling and I tried therapy. And finally, my son was showing signs and symptoms. He was getting tension, headaches and other things that were showing that he was being affected by the conflict in our home. And ultimately, I said, We're, we need to have a divorce. And I knew that it was going to be the most traumatic experience for me and my son, as well as my husband. And breaking the news to my son was very, very difficult. And ultimately, I created a very unusual and program for um, breaking the divorce news to him, which turned out to be very successful. And then my ex and I learned how to co-parent, and we did it well. We raised my son, who was 11 at the time of the divorce, to adulthood. And one day when he was in his early 20s, literally out of the blue, he came to me and he said, you know, Ma? You and daddy did a really good job with your divorce. And I just want to thank you because most of my friends whose parents divorce either hate their parents or are very angry at them. And I think you guys were great. And I just let out such a sigh of relief because I was holding on to so much 
anxiety and insecurity about did I mess my child up and, and what was he going to say to me when he was grown. So this was like such an important moment. And it literally became the catalyst for my deciding that I had enough to share with other people that I founded the Child Centered Divorce Network, became a divorce and co-parenting coach, and created several ebooks and e-courses and programs to help parents through all the stages and steps of divorcing and co-parenting when you have children. Wow. I, I just love that story. I, I, I think how lucky is your son to have had, you know, a situation where his parents care so much about him and put him first. And, and I think, you know, we could argue that all, care, all parents care about their children, obviously, but that doesn't mean they're kind of equipped to cope with this situation. And I think that uh, I'm speaking from experience of a lot of friends of mine. Um, I thankfully never went through a divorce, but a lot of friends of mine did. And there was some really hardcore power plays of parents, you know, saying bad things about the other parents and, you know, it was really messy. And then children, you know, being influenced about their other parent. And, you know, we did another episode on on this podcast about um, mediation with Mm -hmm. a mediation lawyer. and, And she was saying that, uh, she was saying that some people are so nasty in divorce that they take the dog just to spite the yes, other person. Yes, spite so, is that's an important word we hear too often. Mm. So let's talk about how we can avoid that. What are some of the big kind of mistakes? I mean, obviously there's you know lots of things that could go wrong, but what are some like really big obvious? You know, yes, don't do yes, this. Yes, this is so important, and it's far too common and. Unfortunately, it doesn't have to be this way, but conflict has been proven to be one of the biggest challenges for children of any age and whether they're in an intact married family or a divorced family. Having conflict, fighting around the kids really negatively harms them emotionally, psychologically, physically. It's it's just something that gives them great problems. And it's something that you don't have to do. You, that means not only not fighting in the same room, but not fighting on the phone when the kids are in the other room with the door closed. You just want to keep your conflict away from kids. If you could avoid with that one thing alone, it's a gift to your children. Another equally harmful mistake is demeaning, disparaging, putting down that child's other parent around the child, to the child, to someone else that you're talking to on the phone a friend or a neighbor who's stopping by and you're talking badly about your child's other parent, your Mm -hmm. co-parent. Children innately love both parents, even if both parents aren't good parents. They love them and they don't want to be caught with having to defend or support one parent over another. It puts them in a very uncomfortable position Mm -hmm. and unnecessary position. So you may feel very um, correct and right and in having great judgments and anger and hatred for for your ex, but it doesn't mean you can justify it. And it doesn't mean that your children need to hear it. Vent to your friends, vent to a therapist or a divorce coach, but don't vent to your children and don't make them feel bad for loving the other parent because they just do. And when when they're concerned about things like this, they're also worried about, are you ever going to stop loving me like you stopped loving my my daddy or my mommy. 
Mm, that's a really, really good point. And they just don't have the emotional capacity to deal with that, do they? No, they don't. Not at all. Children, even teens, don't have the emotional capacity to understand the complexities of a divorce, which leads me to another very important uh, mistake that we see too often, and that is using your children as confidants. It's so tempting to say if daddy wasn't an alcoholic, if mommy didn't have an affair, we wouldn't be having this divorce. It makes sense to want to share that with the kids, but it changes who they are when they have, when they're privy to adult information because they can't fix your problems. If they could, life would be much simpler. Mm-hmm. We can't fix our problems, let alone letting our children have, have to do it. And so they're dealing with something that they can't do anything about. And once a child knows adult information, they can't unhear it. They can't unlearn it. It changes who they are. And it turns them into little adults before their time because innately they want to fix, help mommy or daddy fix the problem, which leads us to another related mistake. And that's turning your child into a confidant where you're sharing information and letting them know how hurt you're feeling. Again, talk to your friends, talk to a therapist, a coach, a family member when you're hurt and feeling badly. But don't cry to your children and turn them into your parents. We need to be parenting our kids at all times. It's not their place to parent us. They don't know how to parent us. Mm-hmm. It isn't fair, but it, it forces them to, to try to be the little adult in the family. Mommy, it's okay. I'm going to take care of you. It's mm-hmm. not their place to do that. And again, it robs them of the innocence of childhood. Kids, even kids of divorce, deserve to have fun and a childhood. And as parents, it's our responsibility to be there to monitor those things and make sure we're there for them every step of the way. One other mistake that I do want to bring up is don't ask your kids to be passing messages along between homes. It's so easy to say, tell daddy I'm going to be an hour late on Friday. Now that child can forget the message, mix the message up, confuse it with something else, or intentionally give the wrong information because the child is already taking sides with one of you or the other. Regardless of what it is, it's not a child's responsibility, even a teenager, to be monitoring your scheduling, your changes, and and the in-betweens between parents. Use a co-parenting tool online. They're very inexpensive. Text, email, whatever you need to do, but to have a resource for that where you're not putting the burden on your children. Again, keep adult information as much away from children as possible, and you're preserving the childhood which they deserve. I completely agree. I think it's a it, it's a, it's a really tough situation, and we really have to be the adults in this situation. <laughs> that's the number one thing to remember. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of. I mean, I think it, that's an interesting thing because really, it's kind of obvious and simple, but it doesn't happen a lot. You know, a lot of people let their own stuff get in the way. Well, it's it's always important to ask yourself, do I love my children more than I may hate or dislike my ex? And if you do, which is the right answer, <laughs> then, you're, then you're motivated to find ways of creating the best outcomes for them mm-hmm. because they deserve the very best that you can be. And you have to remember that you are role models for your children. They are learning it. They're watching and learning from you. And it's not what you say. It's not the lecture, do this, don't do that. Mm -hmm. It's how you behave, how you act, the choices you make, the decisions you make. 
Mm-hmm. And so how are you handling conflict? Divorce is all about conflict. Divorce is about an unexpected challenge in life that no one wants that can be very convoluted and difficult. And your kids are watching you handle this emotional situation and learning from you about how to treat someone that you're having problems with, how to treat someone who may be the opposite gender, someone who has different views and opinions about things. And the way you handle it is going to impact the way your children are going to grow up and handle challenges. So when you're mindful of that, it helps you make much better decisions and smarter choices and reach out to get help and support because it's there for you now as never before in history. So now there are, there are resources to turn to so that you're not feeling alone. And if you're not sure about the best decision for you, get coaching to help you make that decision so you don't do things that you regret. Mm, totally. Yeah, because your child only has one childhood. And, yeah. you, you know, if we make those mistakes, it's, it's done. Exactly. That's, that's the point to keep in mind. Yeah. You know, it's interesting um, listening to you speak because my, I guess, well, my, my parents broke up when I was six months old, but so I, I kind of, in my mind, I feel like I didn't deal with it because I was so young, mm-hmm. but you know, as I grew up, obviously there was, a, well, actually not as much co-parenting as you'd think. It was mostly my mother doing all the work, but um, my mother never said a bad word about my father ever. Yeah. And, and I, and yeah, she's very emotionally intelligent. And I said yes. to her when I grew up, I said, mom, how come you never said anything bad about dad you never said anything about him and she said she goes you know what I figured that you would discover who he is on your own oh I love that answer that's a brilliant answer and it's so true kids will discern the truth that's why they hold parents responsible when they're grown adults because they realize when you've lied or manipulated them in order to be on your side so to speak Mm -hmm. and yes if it's much smarter to let the children decide based on what they're experiencing, the character of, of their other parent, rather than you pointing the finger and trying to get them, manipulate and coerce them to side with you. Much smarter. Kudos to your mom. Yeah, she's she's definitely a, an incredible leader. Yeah, I'm I'm very very lucky. I feel very lucky. Um, but it, but it was really interesting as well because I I remember, I'm thinking one friend in particular comes to mind. And her parents were so nasty to each other and it was so full on and it really, really influenced how she felt about her dad. And I remember mm-hmm. us having a conversation and she was just totally wrote him off. And I said, you only get one chance because my dad had died at this point. And I said to her, I don't have the chance to, to tell my father what I thought of him because he died before I got the chance. But you have that chance, you know, if whatever happened between you, you all when you were children, you're an adult now and you get to decide how you want to interact with him now yes. and you get to have whatever conversation you want. Hopefully he's willing. And anyway, so she did end up having a conversation with him and they did forge a relationship. And I said, just tell him. If you think he did a crap job, tell him. Like mm-hmm. you're, allowed to, you're allowed to say those things to him. You know, you remember yes. the kind of person you want to be, but now it's judgment day and he's an adult and he can, ha- he can handle it. And if he can't, that's not your, really your problem. You that's know? right. It's yeah. your journey. Get it out, get mm-hmm. it out tell him. And anyway, she did end up telling him, but I remember it was really, really difficult for her because they were so nasty to each other. 
you know, the yeah. things that they said to each other yeah. and the, the hurt, the absolute hurt. It, um, and it hurts the children. It, it hurts children so much to be exposed to that. And yeah. they're so confused and they're helpless and it, it leaves emotional scars. And I'm so glad she ended up taking the opportunity to talk to him because this becomes intergenerational. It, it moves from generation to generation to generation. And only we can stop it from happening in our own families and say, it's stopping here. I'm going to parent differently. I'm going to handle conflict differently. And I'm going to teach my children different role models. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you're going to be a parent, that's the journey, right? You're expanding yeah. as you're being a parent because there's so many challenges. I'm not a parent yet, but, um, you know, I feel I, I often think about this, like why do people have children, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's our journey just as much as their journey. And, and if yes. you're not willing to kind of take on all that emotional labour. It's, it's sad that too many people become parents just because it's a biological thing that they do rather than thinking about the awesome responsibility it is to be raising another human being and without harming them emotionally and psychologically. Life is tough. Life is challenging. Even in the best of families, no one gets Mm -hmm. away unscarred from life. Mm -hmm. And you want to give your children, arm them with high self-esteem and great values and they learn from their parents. So it's it's an awesome responsibility. Too many people don't understand what they're doing and the impact they're having on their children. And that's why there are so many adult children of divorce who are very emotionally scarred and very angry at their parents. And I always talk to clients about giving their children the happy ending that that I had in my own family. It's possible, but you have to work on it every day. Mm-hmm. And be mindful about every decision you make. That's the key. Mm. Let's talk about how you told your son. You said that you were, it was the hardest conversation you had. Yeah. How did you, first of all, how did you prepare to tell him? Like, obviously, you put a lot of thought into it and you were very yes. mindful. But I, how did you break the news? And then how did you support him through digesting that decision? I understood that children have a problem understanding that there's a past before they existed, and then there's a present, and there's going to be a future. And it's very important for children when, when there's any challenging issue in life, any emotionally devastating situation, to let them know that they have the security of, of both of their parents being there for them in every possible way. And knowing that the future is going to be brighter than it may feel and look like right now. And so I put together a photo album and put family photos in of before he was born, when mom and dad got married, and then when he was an infant and raising him up through the years, holidays and birthdays and school events and sports and all of those things that that you share as and kept as a parent. And I wrote text because my background is in writing. And I wrote texts saying that, you know, in recent years, you may have been feeling the the tension in the house and that mom and dad were fighting too much. And we decided that we life would be better for all of us if we were living in two separate homes. So your time with mom would be happier. Your time with dad would be happier. And you would have a better future without as much fighting and conflict, which is really the truth. 
And I said, mom and dad are working on all the details so that some things are going to be the same and some things are going to change. But change is a natural part of life. The seasons change, your hairstyles change, your grades in school change. Life is full of changes. And this is a change in the form of our family, but we'll always be a family forevermore. And mom and dad will always be your mom and dad. And mom and dad will always love you. And that I realized is, is a huge security blanket for kids. If they have that security, then the unknown ahead of what's going to happen next month, next year, isn't as important because they know that both of their parents are still their parents, will always be there and love them. And so it worked out that not only did we give him the storybook photo album and read the script with him, but he could reread it over and over again in the days and weeks and the months that followed that initial conversation. And before I presented it, Dad and, and I talked about it, and we were both on the same page agreeing with the message because the message was not confrontive. There was no finger pointing, talking about this happened because your dad did that or your mom did that. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was benign, and it was about the fact that sometimes things don't work out Mm -hmm. and, and there's other ways of handling life. And we're going to, we found another way of handling our life. And he was able to accept that. And some of my clients whose parents who, who create this for their children, the children will take it from home to home, the storybook, and show the, the other parent new additions, new photos, and add to it. And it becomes a continuity of life. And that's very important because children love to look at pictures of themselves when they were younger, <laughs> they do, in, yes. in the present, yes. And so the, the concept of life is going on is very, very important. And so ultimately, after I founded the Child Centered Divorce Network, I turned this into an ebook with fill in the blank templates so parents can customize the message to their family, the number of kids they have, and the ages, and all of that important information. But the bulk of the text I've written, so they just can tweak it here and there in places and then download it and put it into a photo album with their own family photos. And now, of course, it's all digitalized. And so it becomes a beautiful storybook again that the kids can read over and over again. And it becomes a script during this difficult conversation because it's one of the most difficult conversations any any parents will ever be having in their life is breaking divorce news to the children. So it's, it's a, a crutch and a resource that they can depend on to ease the process and get them prepared. And it's been working very well. This has been 15 years that it's been available now. Yeah. I mean, it's such an, such an incredible tool to just really help parents communicate that to their children. I, Thank you. I, I, when I first heard you talk about this, I just thought it's just so genius because kids do love looking at photos of themselves yes. <laughs> and they love like hearing stories before they could remember and so exactly. okay so I, so the, I think the key to what you're saying here is that you were on the same page with your now ex-husband and you presented the story in a particular way together mm -hmm. and then you both continued on that story individually and you didn't say anything bad about the other yes. person and when parents get this message beforehand because the the ebook has six psychotherapists who participate, and we all share the same message about how important it is. 
not to make the mistakes I discussed earlier and to be on the same page as much as possible. It keeps a lot of parents who were thinking of being more cantankerous to say, wait a minute, this isn't the best thing for our long-term outcome of our family because the family exists long after the divorce is going to end one day. It's a piece of paper, but your life as co-parents is going to be forever. For the rest of your life, you're going to be co-parents to those children. And you have to have a long-term strategy of how you're going to get along, how the kids are going to get along with you, and looking forward to happy days ahead, wonderful experiences in school and graduations and marriages and grandchildren and all of those things that happen in life. We want everyone in the family to still have those experiences, even if you're coming with a new partner that you've married. And I was able to dance with my ex at my son's wedding. And then I danced with my husband and we both remarried and we were able to do that. And everyone was there together and it was a happy experience. And it's a gift to give to your children, Mm. to give them happy experiences when their two parents can be together. Even if it's just for two or three hours, it's, it's a wonderful blessing in their, in their children's life that the parents are not fighting and and misbehaving. Yeah. 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 It's interesting as well. I heard a friend of mine say her parents got divorced and she said, it's like, I'm the parent. It's Mm -hmm. like, I'm the parent. I'm parenting my children. I'm I'm parenting my parents. And and she said, it's exhausting. Like, you know, I don't want to. It's exhausting. It's embarrassing. And it's, it's shameful for the parents to have to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's tough. I mean, I think this, this podcast is a great resource because I think someone in that position who, uh, you know, like, I don't think that anyone means to be that person, but for me, I, you know, I've got this thing that I've been saying lately um, is that person just hasn't done the work. So Mm -hmm. if you're coming from a position where you haven't done the work on yourself yet, because, you know, with this person in mind, I'm like, I know the mum obviously didn't mean to be like that, but she she was like that. Yeah, you know, she, did, she didn't know better. Right, and exactly. There's a great question that I tell clients to ask themselves early on, and that is, what will my children say about how we handle the divorce when our kids are grown adults? And when you stop and think your child may be three or 10 or 13 right now, and it's hard to imagine they're ever going to be grown, but they're going to grow up and they're going to hold you responsible. So if you think today, how are the kids going to feel about every decision we're making about this divorce and co-parenting, it kind of sobers you up. It holds you accountable and you're saying, wait a minute, if I do this, what are the kids going to feel and what, how is it going to impact their lives? And what, what am I teaching them. And sometimes that's all it takes, the answer to that question, to get a parent to say, I'm not going to do this because that's mean-spirited. I don't need to do that. That's harmful. My kids will resent me if, if that's the way I behave. Yes. I think that's so important. Yeah. You know, you're right. People don't think, people think like immediately what's happening right now in this moment, but 10 years from now, right. you're right. going to be answering to someone. And it, <laughs> And unfortunately, we can manipulate our children. We could lie to our children. We could tell them anything when they're children, that mm-hmm. they don't know the difference. And a lot of parents think, well, I'll get away with that. I'll just tell them these terrible things. Daddy was this, that, and the other thing. And they're not going to know the difference, but it, it all comes out in the end. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get these big dr- dramas later on in life. Unnecessary, 
And the children are hurt and wounded in such horrible psychological ways that are just needless. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about some healthy examples of co-parenting first. And then I want to ask some questions about what happens if we're already in a not so great position. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about what does what healthy co-parenting look like? So we've talked about what negative things are and now what's positive. Yes. So healthy co-parenting, it means pick your battles. You can't micromanage your co-parent's life. And it's very tempting to want to get involved and know everything your co-parent fed the kids and the discipline and what time they put them to bed and all of those things. It's, it's tempting to ask those questions, but it may not be the questions that the two of you are able to talk to each other about, depending on the relationship you have. And if not, then you have to stop and pick your battles. If, if it isn't something that's dramatically affecting the health and immediate well-being of your child, learn to let go of things and learn not to be so quick to get involved in, in the minutiae of day-to-day life because it's, it's imposing and it's disrespectful and you don't want it when someone does it to you. Also, catch your ex doing something right and acknowledge and thank them just like you want to do that with your children. It's really helpful if you have a criticism or a comment to start by saying, you know, thanks a million last week for picking the kids up an hour earlier than you needed to. It really made a big difference for for my schedule. I really appreciate it. I'll be happy to do that for you next time. And then go into the issue that may be troublesome for you, but find ways little things that you could say and do and be cooperative and flexible because Co-parenting is a lifelong experience. Everyone's going to need favors. No one can live by a parenting plan and rules and have a life that's that's not affected by illness and accidents and, and unexpected things that happen at work and, and all of the other things that life brings. So you want to be accommodating. And if you say, yes, sure, I'll swap weekends with you or I'll do this or that, they're more likely to do the same thing for you. And then you're having a cooperative co-parenting relationship that's realistic and flexible. And you're not going to court every six months because of some silly indiscretion or or change of plans. You've got to think in the long term and you have to treat each other with respect and dignity if you expect it in return. So many co-parents start embattled and it's very hard to undo that relationship. That's why I highly recommend avoiding litigation. I highly recommend avoiding cutthroat attorneys who are just out there to, to kill the other party and, yeah. and to work with child-centered professionals. And I have a directory on my website of vetted child-centered professionals, attorneys and mediators and, and other professionals who really do care about the well-being of the, the family and the children, especially. It makes all the difference in the world. So put yourself in your ex's shoes. When you're making these plans, think about what's going to aggravate and frustrate them and try to avoid those things because it just makes life simpler and easier the fewer battles you have. And listen to your language too, your communication skills, pointing the finger and using you always kind of language versus I'm feeling hurt. I was upset when. There's a difference when you're using I language to and talking about feelings right. than when you're using you language. And one more point is always talk about the kids rather than you. Right. So if you say little Johnny was was upset and crying and I wanted to talk to you about 
what happened. It's a lot different than saying, I'm upset about Johnny. So if you're starting by making the children the focus of the conversation, you're more likely to get a response that's respectful. And bring in the schools and the guidance counselors and any other support systems that you have that are professional and conscious and wise, not people who are getting you to take sides and be more cantankerous with one another. Mm-hmm. Listen to people who really are mindful in the advice they're providing for you. Mm, I think that's really good advice because I think what tends to happen, um, and I don't know if you've noticed this, Rosalind, but when when you have a friend and you have you're telling them about something, they're, you know. 90% of the time they're on your side, right? right. And sometimes they'll say things that are hurtful to the other person that are kind yes. of unjust. And it's like, mm, okay, I I love that you're on my side. However, yep. <laughs> you know, we're... Important we're, point you're making. So I think you do have to take it with a grain of salt. And I think it's really easy to be influenced by your friends, you know. Yes. I, I've, got, I've certainly got some friends who are, are like that and then I've got some friends who are devil's advocate. So I think it's a, mm-hmm. fine, a fine balance really. <laughs> um, okay, what do we do if we're in a situation, if we're listening to this podcast and we're in a situation where we've made some of the mistakes that you've mentioned? You know, we haven't been as mindful as we could have been. We have fought kind of probably in excess around our child how can we improve our relationship with our children and start to mend some of these mistakes? Um, and- I'm so I'm so glad you're asking that question. It's so important. You know, if you could sit down with your child and look them in the eye and say, you know what, mommy made a mistake. I should never have said that about daddy. I should never have made that decision. I'm sorry I, I did that last month. Whatever it is, Your children will honor and respect you when they hear you apologize and you're teaching them that it's okay, that adults make mistakes, everyone makes mistakes. It's okay to make a mistake and it's okay to apologize for it. It makes you a big person. It's such a wonderful lesson you can teach your kids. So it's never too late to change. If if you made some of these mistakes, you're looking back now and you're saying, gee, that maybe wasn't the smartest thing to do. Your kids will acknowledge and accept you in changing those decisions and saying, for now on, we're going to do things differently. Let's try this. And it's a wonderful way. And the same thing with your ex. If you're able to apologize and own something and say, I thought about it and I regret that decision. Will you forgive me? Can we start over? It takes a very big person to do that. But it's a wonderful skill in communication, in healing healthy relationships. And your ex is more likely to do something like that with you if they see you do it. Very true. Very true. It's like they say the quickest way to get someone to tell you a secret is for you to be vulnerable. Exactly. First. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I think that's a really important point about being human in front of your child and saying mm-hmm. sorry and doing all of the things that humans do you know I think it's really easy when you're a child you think your parents are super people and they've got it all figured out I remember the first time <laughs> I realized that my mom um, all right the first time I realized I disagreed with my mother I was like huh wow how could that like, be yeah like I was like oh what she says is right you know that's just the way it is everything she says is right and then I realized oh okay hang on mm-hmm. no that's not I don't agree with that and it was a mm-hmm. really interesting moment because I was like, yes. oh, I'm a, you know, 
I, I don't even know how old I was, but I remember thinking, wow, I've, we're two different people with different opinions and I respect your opinion, but I don't always have to agree with it. Okay, um, I feel like we've we've covered a lot of ground here. We've talked a lot about being mindful. We've talked about how we can kind of make amends if we haven't been mindful in the past. How can we find resources that can help us through this process. I mean, obviously you're a wealth of resource. So um, what if you're not in our area or if we need someone to help us like you, like yourself, how do we, how do we know who to reach out to? Well, first of all, Child Center Divorce Network is international. So I don't work on a local level. I work nationally and internationally. So um, if you go to childcenteredivorce.com, there's a free ebook right on the homepage. There's a load of hundreds of articles about every facet of this topic. And I also have several resources on co-parenting effectively, anger management for co-parents, breaking the divorce news to the kids, lots of other resources, as well as a free directory of experts. So if you're looking for someone who is child-centered, just go to our expert directory and you'll be able to look there. They're all over the world and all wonderful people who I know really care about the family dynamic. Um, there's also lots of other wonderful organizations now that are supporting divorce in a positive way. You could tell very quickly if you're reading or on a website of, of people who are into this belligerent, I'm going to win at all costs, let's let's get the other person. And when they're talking about win and lose in a divorce equation, something is off because there is no winners and losers in divorce. You want to create the most fair and equitable, positive, harmonious outcome you can. And so you don't want to look for winning or losing because the kids are the ones who lose when, when parents are doing that. So any resource you go to, if they're talking about the children and family and protecting the children, that's then you know that, that they're in the right mindset. And that's the most important thing that they can do is give you advice that's, that's respectful about the children's well-being. When the kids are put first, the other decisions all fall into place because they're going to be conscious. And that's what we're looking for. So you, you can um, Google lots of resources on family divorce and family divorce and children. There's wonderful books and courses and programs out now. And it's, much, it's a much better time to be getting a divorce because of that. The support system is, is much better. And of course, divorce groups, divorce coaching, divorce therapy, all of that makes all the difference in the world in getting professional support and mm-hmm. guidance. So you don't feel that you're you're going through this alone because mm. you don't have to be. Yeah, I am a huge advocate for therapy. I just cannot talk about it enough. I think it's so important for everybody, and you know, yes. we all can use some support. No one's got it all. I agree. Out. Yeah, awesome, Rosalind. Thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate it. I think what you do is incredibly important, and you know, thank you for changing the lives of so many children. Thank you. I I enjoy talking with you. Thank you. Can you just mention the name of your website one more time for everyone? Yes. Child Centered with an ED Divorce. Child Centered Divorce has it all. Perfect. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, you can find all the links mentioned in this episode at rebellove.com forward slash EP54. 
Thanks for listening to the Rebel Love Podcast, the podcast about love, sex, and relationships. If you like this episode, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform and find all the details of this episode and more at rebellove.com forward slash podcast. 